Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. What's up, Mind Pump listeners? You're going to hear us interview Nick the Tooth. Yeah. Uh, He's actually a host of a podcast called Modus V with Nick the Tooth. Great dude. M-O-T-U-S-V. Yeah, he's a character, man. Th- this guy is deeply connected in the MMA community. Was actually Dana White's like childhood friend. They go all the way back to high school. They go, yeah, way they, back. They grew up in uh, Las Vegas. He was on a, a, a reality show, and it was just on YouTube, this reality show. It was, it was produced by Dana White, um, and I wasn't familiar with it until- What was the name of it? Find the, find uh, the fighter? Looking, looking, looking for, for a, a fighter. Fight. That's right. Looking for a fight. And uh, basically, it's where they, they go around the, the country- going to these small fight venues looking for the next like UFC star, which is something I guess Dana White he used did to do with, back uh, in the day. Robbie Lawler. That's how they found Robbie yeah. Lawler. They Pretty went crazy. saw him at some some like small local show and they're like, this dude's obviously a badass. Obviously. So, uh, in the interview, you're going to hear us talking about nutrition and fitness as well. He's a big fan, uh, just like we are, of intermittent fasting. And we talk about that on the show. And uh, we want to make sure that you know we offer a fasting guide. Fasting done properly very, very beneficial, very, very beneficial for fat loss and health. If you do it wrong, it's uh, not so good for you. So we want to make sure you know that we have a guide available. It's only $27 uh, at mindpumpmedia.com. You can check it out. And you can also find Nick the Tooth uh, on his Instagram at Nick the Tooth. And of course, I said his podcast already, Modus V with Nick the Tooth. So without any further ado, here's Mind Pump interviewing Nick the Tooth. Justin, get on the mic. Here I am, baby. <laughs> hey, guys, can you hear me? What's going on, Whoa, man? What's up, man? Did you just hear my what's singing? What's up, guys? How are you doing? Good, hey, brother. You good. sound you hey, sound good. How's that sound, sound, Doug? Sounds fantastic over there, doesn't he? He must have good sound. Yeah, I'm going through my board and my condenser mic, so it should be. Well, should be good. Always, yeah. always nice when we have somebody who has yeah, a good setup. A over professional, there. I like it. <laughs> uh, Nick, you you sound better than we do. Doug, make sure you uh, you do lower him a little bit. I can't be having that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's crazy is this is the third setup I've done in the last ten minutes. My pot. I was telling Doug my studio flooded last week, and so it, I have it down in the garage. So I didn't realize it, but the guys were down there and they're redoing everything. So they're reconstructing the ceiling, and so I I didn't realize that I was on top of them and so all of a sudden i hear them pounding and screws going and screw guns going so then i set up in back in the kitchen and my neighbor is having a deck built and i didn't realize that so then i had to break everything down now i'm upstairs in the in the freaking shower uh, in on the third story so Jesus, i think we're damn doing it <laughs> right well, we're we're in the middle we're in the middle of construction ourselves right sucks, now. We're man. between uh, facilities, getting ready to build Doug out the dream studio right now. He's uh, oh, that's great. Oh yeah, this this motherfucker. You should see what this guy wants, dude. This we've got like you could literally drop a bomb outside this new studio and and still be recording and not pick it up. It's pretty ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Where are you Where are you guys located? San Jose, California. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just up there, man. Oh, oh were you? Where where, yeah. where were you? Where were you at? My wife and I went to Yosemite. And then we went through San Francisco, so we're in San Francisco for, for a few days. And then I have a buddy who's got a gym down, in, a jiu-jitsu gym down in San Jose. So on the way back, because I live in Newport, on the way back we hit, uh, we hit San Jose, but just for like 10 minutes, oh, you know, like, I, very one cool. session. Very cool. What jiu-jitsu school? I, train, I, I don't train anymore, but I trained a while ago at uh, Claudio Franza, which is in San no, Jose, and a little bit of AK. Al Laguerre, uh, who owns the company Want Versus Need, I, I, I'd have to look up what the school is. Okay, okay. Um, so he's got a clothing company, and he's like, "Yeah, come on, just roll as you're going through." So, excellent, man. Nice. So- hey, when did you when did you hook Nick? When did you hook up with uh, uh, Chimera? 
When did you get uh, hooked up with those guys? You know, right when they were first launching the company, there was, I think it was at the LA Fitness Expo. Um, and I just went up to him. I was just starting the podcast and I was like, man, this looks like a cool company. And I just went up and talked to the guys and they've been sponsoring my podcast ever since. How about you guys? We, they, they came after us. Well, well, it's been about three, four, well, maybe six maybe. months now. Six months we started talking. And then, uh, you know, we were, we were really picky about uh, sponsors. So this is what I mean, the three of us or the four of us all have other businesses that we do and been trainers for a long time. And one of the things that we agreed was, you know, the, the when you first get started, there's tons of fucking supplement companies and everybody wants to give you a piece of the pie to do that. And one of our missions is we talk a lot of shit about the industry. So we're like, OK, we got to be we got to be careful who, you know, when the, when the time comes, when they partner up, people start offering us money that we can't just jump on the first one that offers us money because then we look like a bunch of douchebags that have been talking shit. And then everybody's going to jump shit. Yeah. So we uh, yeah. we held out for a really long time. And, you know, just because all these other supplement companies, I'm like, well, you know, we like you guys as company. This is great. But then you know, the shit you guys half this stuff we talk crap about. So it's going to be kind of tough for to tie yourself to us. But then Frank calls up one time or reaches out to us email and. Man, once we got those guys on the phone, we started chopping up with them. Instantly liked them. They sent over the product. We're all fucking huge coffee guys. Like, we all love coffee. And at yeah. the time, we had been talking to Caveman Coffee and mm-hmm. uh, really liked Caveman Coffee. We had Tate Fletcher on the show. Really cool, really cool great dude. dude. Yeah, yeah, great dude. And we were back and forth and possibly doing something with them. And But after we got off with the boys and uh, they made a really good offer and we loved the company, we loved the direction they were going. I love their whole kind of like Red Bull approach, the way they, uh, the people that they've called are their athletes and their other uh, um, affiliations that they're with. And, and then it just kind of happened, dude. And then ever since then, uh, we've been doing a lot of stuff with them. We've tried to get interviews with uh, anybody that represents. I feel like all the people that they have they have sponsored are fucking cool. Like so, which is yeah, for which, sure. Yeah, I mean, ever, everyone's you got their own little flavor and they're unique. I, I really like their style and the people that they go after to affiliate. They didn't just go after someone just because they are you know, a celebrity or popular or whatever. They literally went after unique people on top of them having that celebrity power too, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. I'm I'm the same way. You know, whenever I go to the the fitness expos and things like that, I just look at all these companies and I'm like, it's basically 95% of the industry is just a company repackaging whey protein and <laughs> oh just put God. it in a bunch of shit. Yeah. Let's put it in this. Let's put it in that. Let's flavor it this way. It's like, fuck, right. man. Put it in a pink bottle. We'll sell it for women. Then we'll put it in a blue bottle. We'll sell it to men. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. man. It's crazy. You know, I've been involved. I've been working out since I would say I'm 48 now since for 30. 36 years oh shit you're and 48 I mean, bro you look pretty yeah, good you do man. not look 48 i would have never i would have never what's, put... what's your secret yeah <laughs> you know what my secret is i'll get into it but my secret is really i mean it's at least now for staying really lean is i do intermittent fasting and i use camara coffee and uh i just eat super clean man oh, like, super clean you're a vegetarian you're a vegetarian right, right in man uh, yeah i'm a vegetarian i'm not a vegan how long how, how long you been a vegetarian for 30 years oh wow shit long now is that for moral reasons is or or were you no i just i i always it always grossed me out it was always i hated it really my mom would make me liver and shit and so i was like i think it was one of those things (laughs) that when i was like six or seven years old i was like if as soon as i get to be old enough i'm there fucking eating meat again you know and uh and i but but i stuck to it so Hmm. yeah so i'm a vegetarian i met my wife in new orleans i'm from new orleans but i grew up in vegas and she just happened to be a vegetarian and we raised my our daughter vegetarian too she's 20 now so is is that where you met dana did you and dana meet each other in vegas is that where yes in vegas we both grew up in vegas Oh wow. oh wow! You guys probably got a lot of trouble as kids. <laughs> oh, fucking a man, I, dude! I, I hated Vegas, man. It was the worst. It was just the thing about Vegas is like even when we be you know when you got older and you would go to a bar, you knew a fight was breaking out, and it's almost like because there's nothing to do there. There's nothing <laughs> to do. It's fucking desert. Right. So you just fight. Everyone fights. It's gambling, mm. drugs, hookers, Lots or fighting. Right? Oh. That's kind of fights, drugs, gambling, <laughs> hookers, porn, I, pamphlets. I hate going back there. I I just refuse to go back. Well, there. I, I imagine if right it. if you live there, you've you've had every. I mean, so when people talk about how great, because I I actually do like Vegas, and I go there because I like to gamble. But yeah, but what's the longest you ever stayed there? Yeah, uh-huh. you know, I'm never there longer than what four days. Yeah, after most, four you know. days, I'm ready to get the yeah. fuck out of there. Yeah, man. no, it's, yeah, it, the weather sucks. It's windy, something. it's hot, it's cold. Whatever, you know, it's just the worst. There's no ocean. So. My my liver's bleeding by then. I'm ready to get out of there, man. <laughs> well, yeah, no doubt. And I surf all the time, so you know, for me, it's like I can never be landlocked like that. Oh, yeah. bro, it doesn't get much better than. 
Newport Beach. I mean, the Newport's one of my favorite places to come down and visit. That's just gorgeous down there, man. Oh, uh, you know, how, we we left. It's funny. There's a hurricane in the uh, on the in the Atlantic right now. But we left. Uh, I was on the Gulf Coast on the beach. And six or seven years ago, whatever it was that Katrina hit, we had actually like 10 hurricanes that came through. And I told my wife, that's it. We're done. <laughs> We're going to the West Coast. And so we got an old Airstream and my wife and daughter and I, we just traveled the country for like six months in that thing. And we went everywhere. We went all the way up to Oregon and just came down every city along the coast. And Newport was it. We were like, man, this is everything we we're looking for. Oh, what a fun way to do that. That's, that's, that's got to be a great way to do right, it. That's a great way. That's really cool. Nick, how long you yeah. been? how long have you been in the uh, MMA jiu-jitsu community? I started rolling like I would say about four and a half years ago. I wrote a book called Into the Cage, Rise of UFC Nation. So I'm a writer. That's primarily what I do. Okay. And and I'm also a photographer. And so I started when I started working on the book, I just said, you know what, there are so many aspects of MMA. I want to really learn one one part of them. And so I grew up wrestling. I wrestled like 8 to 18. And so uh so I was like, okay, I already got wrestling. I don't want to get I don't want to deal with concussions. There's no way I'd put myself in that kind of danger. And so I uh I said, well, jiu-jitsu, I grappled before. I'll just, you know, start grappling. So I was like 43 when I started grappling. That's that's and very it, unique. It's a relatively old age to start. Not that it's not a good thing. I think it's a great thing. But uh, yeah. what, what, what did you find? What were the challenges? Well, obviously you had wrestling background, so you were a little bit ahead. But what were the challenges of learning jujitsu? And you, you train out of the Mendez Brothers uh, School, right? That's right at Art of Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, that's a great place. Um, so, and so you know, it's really it's it was serendipitous that I'm good friends with uh, Pat Tenori, who uh, who started Ruka. He's the founder of the clothing brand Ruka. And so Pat, I would see him surfing, and you know, we'd talk, and he go, and I told him, hey, I'm going to get into jujitsu, and he said. I'm going to open a gym with these guys, the Mendez brothers. Don't join a gym until that opens. And I was like, I, I had no idea who the Mendez brothers were. You know, I didn't know any, really anything about jujitsu. So I took them at his word. And uh, the first day they were open, I start, I went in and started rolling. And I've been there ever since. As, but as far as, um, as far as challenges, I, you know, I don't think I had any real challenges because, you know, when you do, I, I like to say that when you do things through puberty, it was an old bodybuilder that I think wrote an article and I saw that, it, that he talked about this and he said, you know, whatever you do through puberty is going to stick with you through the rest of your life because it's so formative. And, um, and two things that I did where I lifted, I've lifted since I was 12 and like four or five days a week and, uh, and I've wrestled. So when I got back into to grappling, it was really very fun for me. I, now, I didn't start in the gi, though. I, I initially just started no gi. Um, and so it was, it was a lot like that, but uh, eventually Hoppe Mendez, he's like, you, if you want to get better, even at Nogi, you got to start rolling in the gi. That's like and so I started with that. And so that, that was probably, I, I would say the ego thing when I started rolling in the gi and then I started learning to play guard off my back because then I really had nothing to call upon, you know, in Nogi, when we we're standing and for takedowns or throws, I was fine with that. Or even, you know, if, if we were, we we're on the ground grappling, but once I got in the gi and I was on my back, it was like, man, you better check your ego at the door. Dude, you just, you said something. I'm going to back you up because, uh, I've always wanted to ask somebody that actually knows the answer to this. You, uh, mentioned Ruka. And when mm -hmm. you say Ruka, you're talking about RVCA, right? The the T-shirt yep. brand. Okay, so oh, I've never heard it called that before. Yes, no, I have. No, and, and, and I, have. I have, and I've and I've always wanted to know the, the history of that and and uh, where where the name comes from, why, and why some people call it Ruka, one some call it RVCA. Yeah. What is the truth behind all that? Can you can you, you know? I, I think there was. I think he they got it out, and I never asked Pat, but I, I actually read it somewhere that they got it out of a song. Um, who, who, it was, a, it was some sublime, maybe from a band around no. here and, and they, they, Ruka, I think it was like slang for a chick for chick or something like that, mm. but I could be totally it was wrong. Definitely yeah, in a sublime song. This, but it was, it, it was, was in a, a sublime song. Definitely. It was in a sublime song. That's right. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah. I did yeah. not. I see what I thought. I thought it was you never, Adam. You never heard someone say that's my Ruka, my Ruka. That's my chick, my girl. Yeah. You never heard that before. Well, maybe I have, but I never put that together with the and fucking you're the shirt. Mexican yeah. in the group. Come on. Yeah, man. What's wrong with you? Adam? <laughs> yeah, Jesus, the fuck's wrong Jesus. with you? You're not a good Mexican, bro. <laughs> I, I, I think literally like half my wardrobe yeah. is, is Ruka too. Is I'm really? like, oh, why yeah, does snow? I mean, I, I love, I love the, I love the brand. I've always loved the brand, you know, but uh, I've, I've heard different people say different things. It's like one of those things like the old urban myth bullshit where people start making, you know, one son telephone story, tells it. And then by the time it gets to you, it's like no that can't be right mm -hmm. that isn't true so yeah. 
you're the first person I know that's actually connected to someone like that. So I was really curious to how that <laughs> how that how yeah. that all played and out. So it's a cool it's a cool brand because they really you know Pat is Pat was actually is is a black belt in jujitsu and he's been a black belt for a long time, and he started sponsoring the Mendez brothers when they were freaking blue belts when they were very very young. Oh, cool. And uh, but you know he's also got Jason Perillo uh, that is a coach a boxing coach, and so he kind of runs the gym the Ruka gym, and Mike Bisping who's fighting this weekend against Dan Henderson. Is, so excited uh, for that fight. Oh, I'm watching that. Oh, I'm so excited for that fight. I know. I know. What do you think is going to happen? What's your What's your prediction? How's it going to go down? I tell you, man, Mike is in such good shape, man. I think that this is he's going to get his revenge. He's the best he's ever been right now. I really feel the same way too. And he's put it, boy. He's put his fucking time in, his work in. He's grinded his way through like it's. Unless God, Dan, Dan Hendo Dan. comes in with that God, right hand, dude. Well, Dan is he's, he's like an old lion, man. You can't you can't count him out. I mean, the guy's been through wars. And I'm a Dan Henderson fan. You got to realize Dan Henderson's my age, which yeah, is crazy. I know man, to fight at the elite, elite level like that. I mean, you get nothing but respect for that guy. That's him and Randy Couture is the reason why He's I love those favorites. those two fighters. For you know the fact putting putting guys down at that's that age still, man, is so much fucking respect for that. That's so badass. I know. It's, it's gonna be crazy. Good. Isn't it's good. It? Yeah, it's gonna be a good fight. Hey, what got you? I'm really interested. So, being a you, you were a writer first. What mm-hmm. what made you get into the go in the digital media and get into podcasting? I always like talking to other podcasters and hear what what made them go that direction. What did you see and why did you do that? Well, I was for I helped uh, Vice Media launch. I was one of the first writers for Vice Media's Fightland portal. And so I was writing for them. And so that was, I did it for like a year and a half, I think. And that was an amazing experience because it really put me in a place where I had to churn out articles like on deadlines. And I loved it because there's nothing like being under the gun for a particular craft. Like let's say you're a photographer or whatever it is, that really tends to help you and kind of forge your voice. But after a while, it got to the point where it was very difficult to write you know, I write from my creative period is like, I would say like seven in the morning till like 12 or one in the afternoon and that's it. And then it shuts off. There's no more writing that happens. And so it was, it became too difficult to write on my own projects and continue to write something else. And so I was looking for an, a medium in which I could, you know, that I enjoyed and I could express myself, um, that wasn't writing and podcasting just fit perfectly into that. How's it going? How do you enjoy podcasting so far? Oh, I, I love it. You know, and that's one thing. I didn't know if I would like it at all. And I was like, okay, well, I think it'll be cool. I did a bunch of media, uh, uh, like a big media tour when I released the book a few years ago. And so I was like, you know, I think I can do this. I'll get into it. And uh, I love it, man. I love, I think it's just, it attracts a very different audience and um, a, a younger audience. But yeah, I, I really enjoy it. How well, long have you been on the air now? Um, I would say probably around eight months. I've oh, okay. got about almost 40, 40 podcasts up, I think. Yeah, you're all, I mean, we're just a little older than you are. We've only been up for about a little over a year and a half, so we're pretty new ourselves. Is that where we're at, Doug? Are we a year and a half? I thought we were we're at two. Almost two years. We're almost two. Yeah, God, time flies, man. Still time. new. No. <laughs> Well, especially it's the such a new, it's still such a new medium. Oh, you know? that, I mean, it's, it's amazing. That's what I mean. That's really what drove mm-hmm, us, and mm-hmm. we saw the growth in it and the potential. We said, "Man, if we could just get in there and semi make a name for ourselves, hopefully we can just literally ride the wave of where it's going." You know, so that was a, a big uh, a big move for us. Same thing too. Like we had no idea what it would be like. Uh, none of us had did radio or TV or anything like that before, so it was totally out of our our world to get into something like this. But I love the fucking freedom. Yeah. I, lo- I yeah. love that's my favorite part about it. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah. you can, it's your show. It's produced it's by totally you. different work speed. It is. It's, yeah. it's, uh, I, I, and I hope we get that for as long as we can. God, who knows how long that'll last, right? You never know until. So I don't you, think it's going anywhere. I mean, to, you know, it's not like anybody's going to really take control of the airwaves, you know, like the FCC had with radio bands. Yeah, well, you so see what's, really, you see what's going on with YouTube right now, right? Do you know what's going on with them? With them getting all censorship and everything like that? You see, have you seen that? Or have you heard anything about that? No, uh-uh, what's going on? Yeah, so the I know the the CEO the of YouTube is starting to put out all kinds of and they, Doug is it is it actually released yet or they just talked about that's the direction it's going as far as they're pulling some people's uh, YouTube's if if there's uh, profanity and any sort of nudity or any sort of mm. violence in that and even some of the stuff that like I know like the the big the way we found out was like some big rifle company and they have a huge like millions of followers whatever because it was dealing with guns and automatics and things like that they had a bunch of their big youtube 
uh, view uh, some of their biggest um, videos videos yeah, that got yeah. pulled down because of of uh, the violence and stuff that was in it. So um, you're starting to see some sort of censorship, and we just really started our that's our kind of our next avenue right now is to build out our YouTube channel. We just started what maybe two months ago, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, and we were like, okay, can we make it as raw as the show? Because we're really raw on the show. The show we we swear a lot. We there's I mean we talk about fucking drugs, sex, whatever. There's no there's no there's no topic we don't address on here and yeah. we love to go that direction because it's i feel like not a lot of people do and a lot of people are afraid of that shit so and we owners and titties that's right we bring it on and so uh we were kind of going back and forth that you know do we take that shock and a ra- uh, shock and awe approach to the youtube channel and we chose not to and then thank god because maybe like a month later is when this all started coming out in the news with uh, them trying to censor it so you're part so, of you're part of that show um and i was going to ask you a little bit about this looking for a fight because we were talking about going on the youtube uh us personally like i saw that it started out as a youtube uh, uh series is that correct that's right and what was the uh, decision making behind that I think just Dana's consi- Dana just wanted to have the ability, just as what you're like with what you're saying, to do whatever he wanted to do, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. to just you know what I mean. Because if you go on a television network, all of a sudden you've got, especially before a show finds like its legs. So if you guys had a show, let's say, and you're doing really well, and you've got that shock and awe approach that you're talking about, and then a television network came to you and they said, "Well, we want to change it," you would be like, "Look, the the reason we have this audience that you're so interested in is because this is our approach," right. and you would have a lot more leverage to say, "Don't touch it." And so, to start the television show, to start the reality show with a TV network, it never would have, you know, we never would have been able to do the things we did. Makes sense. Now, you were on what the first uh, two episodes, I believe. No, I was on the first, I think, six episodes. Six episodes, and then you, and then you left. And we got to ask you. Obviously, there was a big controversy about that, and it's all over the place. And Absolutely. I, don't, I, I don't know if you want to talk about that, or why you left, oh, or why that. I don't care. Fuck I mean, yeah. He wants to talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> Fucking A wants to talk <laughs> shit about that. Come on. It's perfect place for that. Yeah, yeah right. fill, fill us in. What's going on? You still friends with Dana? Yeah. What happened? Yeah, so, so <laughs> and it, it, I could tell you, man, it's been the most surreal experience, but being a writer it's absolutely been gold because as a writer you know you want like weird experiences and trippy experiences but i left the show and the reason i the real reason that i left the show and it was my decision was that as a writer you know i have to protect my headspace and so it got to the point that there was so much fucking internal conflict and i had talked to the producers about it and i was like listen man if this shit continues i'm telling you right now you're going to ruin the chemistry and after by the we by the time we got to the sixth episode, I was just like, I'm done, man. I'm not doing it anymore. Well, elaborate and, on the the internal. Let's explain that a little bit, though, so people understand what you mean by that. Like the internal conflict. Like what was what was going on that was conflicting for you that, that, with with the show. Oh, within the show? Yeah. Well, it just got to the point that it became so antagonistic between Matt and I. Okay. That, uh, you know, where I just got was like, man, I am not cool with this. I'm not cool with the fact. And I told them very early where I was like, listen, man, if there are situations where you're setting me up and you're not setting all three of us up, if I'm not aware of it, then I'm going to walk off the show. And it happened three times. And I was at the end, I was like, and so it, what happened is I, I really became paranoid to the point where we were filming where I'm like what's happening next what's going to happen next and then as I sat back and I thought about it I'm like what the fuck am I doing and and I really was like this is affecting my writing it's affecting because when you're a writer you have to have like the most clear anybody who's creative you have to have everything just cleared away you have to really be able to compartmentalize because you're creating especially with fiction you're creating a world do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and if you, if things start to intrude on that, you lose your ability to produce. And that's what started happening to me. And I was finally, I just said, you know what? I'm 48 years old. I'm a lawyer. I'm not fucking dealing with this shit anymore. You know, I talked to my wife and my daughter about it. And uh, they were both like, it's not healthy for you. And I, I, I really looked at it where I was like, okay, in five years, am I going to be Will I care if I was on a reality show? No, I could give a shit. But will <laughs> I care if I reach my goals and achieve my goals with writing? And, and ultimately, it just made the decision really simple. But then, so then it was like, okay, I'm done. And, but then, like, after, like, two months, I'd say, or three months, you got to realize, like, we have a real lag time between when the shows aired and when we would shoot them. So it was, like, six months, I think, after I had shot my last show, all of a sudden, Matt goes on uh, what was it, Bruce Buffer's podcast, and just starts 
laying into me, but like doing it in a way, oh, I love the guy, but then bam, 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 you know, to the point that it was like, dude, how fucking fake can it get, man? It just come out and say, listen, man, I'm going to smear him. I'm going to smear his name. He left the show and I'm pissed off. And I was just, it was so fucking crazy because then like all these forums, people started to like look at, you know, to, 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 to debate my motivations for leaving the show, which was, if you think about it, is so fucking weird because it's not like people are saying, did he do it or didn't he do it? They're actually looking into my motivations for, you know, why I left and, you know, should writing be more important? Should this and that. And, uh, it was, it, it felt like a confederacy of dunces because the, <laughs> it, 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 it was so futile. Any re- retort that I gave, it was just like, well, it's not like I can say, yes, this is, you know, my motivation means this or that. It's not like we're looking at a, a zero one binary argument. And mm. so anyways, that's, well, that's how it all left. It seems to me like this was your first time being on reality TV, right? You know, I had done a little bit of it with um, with uh, Dana when we did the vlogs like four years ago, three, mm-hmm. four years ago. Mm-hmm. So we had on his video blogs, but it wasn't like real reality TV. It was yeah, more like just uh, different things. Like, like I rolled against Joe Lazone. I called out Joe Lazone one night when we were all drunk. And uh, and so Dana set it up like the next day for me to go <laughs> ahead and uh, grapple against Joe Lazone. And he just absolutely smoked me. But it was really one of the highlights of my life, man. I'll never forget that. Because think about it, man. I got to play basketball against Michael Jordan or golf against um, Tiger Woods. I got to roll against Joe Lazone in the octagon. So I, ever since then, I've made it a point to call out whoever I can call out to try and get a match like that. And I did the same thing at the beginning of the show against Matt. And he just took so much offense to it. Like it was, and I was just like, okay, I guess I'm on a show with a guy who's that thin skin. Well, let me, let me ask, because the reason why I was asking is because, you know, when you look at reality TV, it, it's, it seems obvious to me that they want conflict. I mean, it gets ratings, right? I mean, That's what I was going to ask I, well, if, they pit, if they pitted him. They have purpose. to, because you get, when you look at the real world, which was on MTV, that's one of the original uh, uh, reality shows. The first one was so friendly and so nice and everything was cool because the, the producers didn't like, they didn't, they weren't looking for conflict. Then they started kind of looking for conflict and setting people up and putting people together they knew would get, like they'd have the country, you know, you know, hick guy and then the gay dude from San Francisco and they're like putting them in the same room. And, yeah, the homophobe, homophobe guy with the racist guy. Yeah, and yeah. they're just waiting. <laughs> Let's see what happens. Is that a drunk? So if he, it's well, would you do you think that uh, that number one that they kind of set it up that way? Number two that all the stuff that Matt is saying afterwards is just to hype up the show because this is all like yeah, advertising. I, I would I would think so. He's probably mm. just trying to hype the show, and I don't really care about that. It doesn't really matter for me. Like I said, the PR has been as a writer, the PR and the experience has been unreal. So I'm really stoked about it, you know. And I definitely I've never come out and said anything negative about Matt, and you know I didn't fire back at all. And just tried to let people know why it was, you know, and I understand that there's a deal with setting people up, but we did this thing where they tased us. And afterwards, uh, someone who's in law enforcement said, Nick, look, they hit me on Twitter. Look at the fucking tase. Matt didn't even get tased. It only went from his arm, from his neck to his arm. Look where they hooked it up. And for me, they had it hooked up from where I was grabbing Dana's hand because it went through all of us all the way to my ankle. And so I said, listen, I told Dana. It just admit that it happened. Admit that you set me up. We got a long lecture from SWAT team members who told us for 30 minutes, the most painful tase is the, the reason they like to shoot people from far away is because the prongs go wider. And so I said, so, dude, they didn't. These guys were SWAT experts and they told us what happened, you know, what was going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. And then Matt didn't take the tase. I said, just cop to it. Just cop to it in private. And he wouldn't do it. So I said, I'm off the show. Oh shit! Oh, wow. So, you, so you think Dana was in on it then? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh. I mean, just watch the video. So you know, and that's what I said. So, so you know, I understand that there's a need to create conflict, but my feeling was just set us all up then, or at least cop to it, and we can laugh at it afterwards. Have you guys always had that kind of relationship where he's been messing with you, like growing up and everything? Oh, we've all yeah. I mean, we've always done shit like that to each other. Yeah. So. Well, you just fuck. He with thinks you could take it. <laughs> you just fuck with each other. <laughs> no, and, and it's not like I couldn't take it. But when I when I was like, "Hey, man, this is what happened," you know, just admit that it happened. And when it didn't happen, but you know, the reality was, 
I was so happy to be off the show. It was something I was talking to my wife about. I remember when uh, Ronda Rousey did uh, The Ultimate Fighter, and afterwards she said, I will never in the history of the world do another fucking reality <laughs> TV show again. And you don't really understand that until you go through it. I couldn't, so once you, I couldn't imagine. I remember you, her saying that, yeah. Yeah, but you know, it, it really wasn't just what was happening on film. It was also I just didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy any of it. I didn't enjoy traveling with them. I loved traveling with Dana before this, but when we were traveling with the show, shit was antagonistic off camera. It just got to the point where it bled over into everything, and I was like, I don't need this shit, man. Yeah, absolutely not. I don't care about a reality show. It seems like they would be content. That would be part of the deal is that they'd be trying to kind of keep you guys on edge and fuck with you and keep you almost at each other because it would make for better viewing. Right. But I mean, that, yeah, that didn't. That's not how it happened. It happened when the, when the producers weren't there and just the antagonism just bled over into everything. Yeah. And so, you know, and it, but again, man, like I said, as a writer, it was just unreal to be put in that situation and to experience that and especially to experience what happened afterwards. Like when Matt went on Bruce Buffer, then it was just like, holy shit, because, you know, it really it really gave me an opportunity to look at myself because. When I was when I was younger, you know, I grew up wrestling and playing football and I was such a meathead. And I talked about this on Chael Sona's podcast about how I was so conflict oriented and I started I really got I really got a chance to see myself when I was like 19 or 20 and realize, man, there I, I got to get away from this. What you guys want to hear a crazy story? Yeah, oh, yeah. we'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> so I was 19 years old and I was like a meathead, man. I spent like my junior year in reform school in Vegas, like in the projects, man, I was like the only white kid there. And, uh, cause I would fight all the time, but I was like a, t a total reader and a sci-fi geek. And so I got in, you guys ever read the book Dune? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely. Dune, I was I love Dune, man, and I love that there. Anyway, so they would eat the spice, and they would pretty much trip out. Mm. And so when I got to college, I was at UNLV, right, my freshman year. I'm like, man, I want to do mushrooms, man. I want to trip out. Well, a guy gave me a bag of mushrooms, and he's like, here you go, you're enjoy them. I had no idea what I was doing. Oh God! I ate, oh God! I ate the whole fucking <laughs> no, bag. Oh shit! shit. Oh, I ate twenty caps and like twenty stems, oh, dude. Shit. I tripped. You went deep. For, I went to the other side of the universe, man, <laughs> and I tripped for, since I think it was like five in the afternoon till the next morning at eleven in the morning. Just oh. insane. And but what was so intense about it, man, is I realized like when I came back, I was like, oh, my God, it like breaks apart your ego. And it showed me that like this thing like that we are, we consider like this is Nick Niccolo, that that was just like this avatar in a video game. And I didn't have the metaphor to say that then. Because it was, you know, we didn't have like video games like we have now. But I realized that. And I just ever since then, man, I've been like, you know what? I am not going to be like that person that I was. He's always looking for a fight. Anybody you see that is always screaming at people and always looking for a fight and always raising their voice. What I realize is that person is always in fear. Oh, yeah. And so that fear makes us feel so helpless. And I talk about this a lot on my podcast, this like internal thing, not just working out. But that fear that we have is makes us feel so helpless that either you go into panic, you know, and you, you run, it's fight or flight, or you go into this, I'm going to take some control and exercise this fake anger or this real anger, but it gives me this fake feeling of control. And so I, I, I ever since I had that experience, I start, I realized that and I was like, no more, man, no more fights, no more this and that. And as I've gotten older, you guys were asking, you know, how, how is it I'm 48 years old and I look like this? I think it has to do with completely trying to pull myself away from that fight or flight thing that's inside of us all the time. And it's difficult to do. You know, I mean, there's no two ways about it. But think about the miles you put on a car if you're always on your – if you think of your car as a body, if you're always in fight or flight. It's like freaking running the clutch, you know, at redlining all the time. That's a great. That's a great mm. point, man. Do you? Uh, so, that, so that I mean, you're not the only person. I've heard many people say that doing mushrooms was extremely transformative. Uh, have you done any since? <laughs> oh, I did a lot. I did a lot after that. I haven't. <laughs> like, I haven't done any in a while, and I think I'm going to try DMT. But while we were raising my daughter, I was like, man, I'm going to freaking, I'm going to hold off on all that, you know. 
But uh, but I think it really that thing is one of the most overlooked aspects of training and recovery. Because, you know, when you work out, because we're always thinking about training and training and in recovery and recovery, but think about how much you just wear your body out by always being in that fight or flight. There's no question about it. That takes away from our ability to recover and to perform and to just be happy. Well, we talk a lot about this on the show because what you, all those things you just, those are all stresses on the body, including working out. People don't realize that, that that's a temporary stress on the body. And if you're hammering if you're in a sport or training or working out just for aesthetic reasons or just even to be healthy but you're in the gym lifting weights every single day and then on top of that you've got this crazy workload and then on top of that you're in this that's your mentality where you're always redlining and stressing i mean you're never really allowing the body to fully recover and it's not it's not ideal for us at all and it's definitely uh, i've seen so many people that live their life that way and they always look like they're Two, you know, ten times older than what they really are because of how much stress that they're putting on their on their body. That's great self awareness yeah. on your part too. Are you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did, it wasn't something I was thinking I was going to become aware of. I mean, that was it was a crazy experience. But yeah, I mean, it changed me. It completely changed me. And you know, even to this day, man, I really focus on meditation. I learned how to meditate back then, and you know, and and my diet. So so. You know, being a vegetarian, my everything I do as far as diet is to put less stress on the body because there's so much stress that we put on the body by shoving shit in there that's so hard to digest. So for me, it's all about, you know, keeping a very clear mind with meditation and keeping a clear body by just trying to eat as clean as I can. And, you know, that uh, you, you talked a little bit about fasting, intermittent fasting. How long have you been practicing that? Oh man, this is, you know, this is a great story. So when I was like 39 years old, I saw a picture of myself surfing without a shirt. I was just in trunks and dude, I was like 45 pounds overweight. I was, I could not, but you just don't realize it until someone puts a mirror in front of you. Right. And so I looked at this picture and I was like, man, I got to pull this shit together, man. And so then I started, I read, uh, uh, Tim Ferriss's book on, uh, what is it? Four hour body and just his slow carb method. And so I started doing that and I started getting myself into ketosis and within 30 days I dropped 40 pounds. Wow. And, uh, and I've kept it off for, you know, eight years now. And so then I would say a few years after that, I would say maybe four years ago, I learned about intermittent fasting. So I added that to my keto diet and, uh, it's just, it's been unreal. It's life changing uh, for, for life us. Changing. Yeah. Right. Uh, oh, for, we'll see, you know, we're all from the fitness industry, right? We originated there. We all ran health clubs and gyms and around bodybuilders. And it was, it was blasphemy to tell somebody to skip a meal. Yeah. I mean, you had to eat every right? two, every two Especially fucking hours. breakfast. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. Don't skip a meal. So when I, when I learned about, uh, fasting, I mean, for, I've heard about fasting for forever, right? The hippies and the, and the crunchy weird people will talk about it and you'd kind of, you know, you, you blow them off cause they'd look like, you know, they blow away in the wind and say like, whatever, I want to be strong. Next thing you know, you're hearing certain people who are strong and built and they're talking about fasting. So we, you know, I started experimenting myself and, uh, it, it, it literally destroyed almost everything I thought when it came to, you know, muscle building nutrition and fitness based nutrition, because that was like a rule that was number. That was one of the number one rules. You, you eat every few hours, you never skip a meal. And once I, once I realized that that was bullshit, I started examining all of it. You know, I started looking at protein intake and, you know, all these different things and realized, holy shit, most of the stuff we've been fed is crap. It's well, it's, bullshit. A, it's a lot of what had motivated us to do what we did this. You know, we talk about the raw fit truth that's what we talk about and you know earlier we we're talking about how we talk a lot about all the bullshit in the fitness industry you know this was something that shattered all of our paradigms i mean i to think to to not eat when i was a guy i was always the skinny kid who couldn't put weight on so that just seemed absurd. You know, I, I always felt like I could never eat enough to get big. I could never eat enough to get big. And so for someone to tell me that you know, it would be a good idea for me to skip a meal, I think that's just that's a, no way. No way could that be good for me or ideal for me. And so and I remember when we all went through it, I mean, shit, that's probably one of our number one selling guides is that we have a fasting guide that we released last year. And, uh, you know, we and we share a lot about on the podcast. And it's one of those things that doesn't matter how many times someone here until you kind of go through it yourself and you experience it. And then you go, it's like, holy shit, like I feel so much better. You would think that you wouldn't have the energy. Your energy feels great. Inflammation's down. You sleep better. Like everything is literally better when you start to incorporate that. How often, Nick, do you do it uh, during the week? Are you somebody who does it like several times a week or do you do it intermittently, just randomly? Or how do you kind of. I do it every single I do it every single day. Oh, wow. Every day. Okay. So, so I do. I, I, I never. Yeah, I never don't do it. I never eat breakfast. I never. It's that's just the way I do it. So every what, day. what time's your first meal? 
about one o'clock. Okay, so you fast till one o'clock every single day. You yeah, you, I fast till one o'clock every day, and then two or three days a week, I'll train at AOJ at night, and I get out at like nine o'clock, so I get home around nine thirty. I don't eat anything then, so mm-hmm. I don't. I'll have one meal on t- two or three days a week at like two thirty, because you got to realize my metabolism is slowing down more every year. And so it's for me to be able to skip a few few meals uh, at night also, it just keeps me super lean. It does. And they're finding the, the regenerative and anti-aging effects of intermittent fasting along with uh, the anti-aging effects of being in ketosis. Now, I have, you, I have a question for you. You're a vegetarian, but you also eat a keto-style diet. They mm-hmm. seem they seem like they they're at odds. Uh, mm-hmm. It seems like a difficult thing to do if you don't eat animal. Very product. limited uh, options. Yeah, it like, seem like how do you eat? How do you eat a vegetarian diet that's also keto? What does that look like? Yeah, and I tell people that too. I'm because I'm like, listen, if you like me, eat me. You know, I don't have anything against it, but uh, but it's definitely something where if you if you eat meat, it's much easier. But I typically one of the things that Tim Ferriss talked about in the book is that some people can eat grain or not grains, but can eat like uh, beans. And some people can't. I can. I stay in ketosis if I eat beans. So I'll eat. I don't eat soybeans. I don't eat tofu, but I'll just eat beans every couple of weeks. You know, one of the first things that kind of opened my mind back in the 80s is I remember Lou Ferrigno was on. And this is when he made his like second run for Mr. Olympia. It had to be in the like 88, 89. And he was being interviewed. Oh, he was huge him, too. He's like 320 pounds. I dude, remember that. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. He was massive. And they asked him about protein, his protein intake. And he just laughed. And he said, you know, basically protein is the biggest sham in the world. He said, look at the gorilla. The gorilla doesn't eat meat. The gorilla doesn't, you know, it gets very little protein and look at all that musculature. And then the woman who was interviewing him was like, so you don't eat much, you don't take protein powder or anything. And he's like, absolutely not. And so when I realized that, then, you know, back then I started going, oh, my God, that's when I really started realizing that the, so much of the supplement industry is just bullshit. Oh, and, amen, uh, my friend. <laughs> right? And, yeah. And so and it was crazy to hear him doing that because, you know, all those bodybuilders were under contract to Weeder, you know, and helping sell protein powder. So uh, he must have not been under contract for it to come out and say that. But, you know, the, the reality is, is so I will eat like every week, like every Sunday, I'll make a big pot of uh, of like lentils, a soup, and I'll just have that throughout the week. And um, and I eat. I eat a very simplistic diet and I pretty much cook all my own food and I'll eat the same thing again and again. So, you know, when, when I have my, like at night, I'll, when I do eat at night, I'll have vegetables maybe with, you know, some beans or something like that. And then for, uh, then in the, for lunch, I'll have like a salad. I usually eat a salad for lunch, but I don't ever think about or worry about, um, about protein. If I do, if I want protein and I think I need it, I'll eat almonds. I love, uh, raw almonds. I eat a lot of raw almond butter. So, so that doesn't pull me out of ketosis. So you've learned to pretty much eat intuitively, listen to your body and, and how it feels. Yeah, I mean, if I wasn't if I wasn't hungry all day, then I wouldn't eat. Like if I get to, to the point, like it's one o'clock right now, and I'm not hungry, I already served for two hours. I'm probably not going to eat until my I, I get catch up with my wife and we go grab something. Yeah, that's kind of how I eat. That's excellent. It works really well when you can get to that point where you kind of start to listen to your body. Uh, it, it's not, you're not dieting anymore. It's easy. You know well, it's I mean? so great, but it's so different than how the fitness industry has been preaching for like, especially the last like 20 years, yeah. you know, it's just, everything has been around the supplement industry and the, the timing of the meals are so important. And then the exact <laughs> ratio of carbs yeah. to protein is so important. Like oh, it, it was, let me tell you, it was like that in the eighties too. Yeah. So it was, you know, it's all the same bullshit, just repackaged and resold. You know, one of the things you don't think about either, and I'm sure you guys have felt it too, is the less you eat, how much more mental clarity you have oh yeah 100 sure. right for sure that which is how funny is this like don't you remember as a kid what your your mom would probably tell you before you go had a test day on at school when you were in like you know elementary or whatever like that and it's like make sure you eat a breakfast eat a it's pancakes meal, and orange carbohydrates yeah pancakes orange juice and cereal or some yeah. shit you know it's like <laughs> the total opposite of actually Get what we school, probably, you're all yeah. sleepy <laughs> yeah, like, i know i know man you know the i think the hardest thing with the diet for me is that like i don't have i don't worry about 
too much about protein. And I've, because I lifted so much, like during my formative years till I was 20, and I, I've never not lifted. There's never been a week in my life that I haven't lifted. But I'm now to the point where I just go in and I could work almost my whole body and just get a pump. And that's enough because of muscle memory that I don't, you know, so I think me, I'm not really in a building phase. So I'm not really worried about protein. And maybe I would be if I was. I don't know. Well, but, uh, but, so because you've been lifting for so long and you were, you know, training in Vegas and throughout the 80s, uh, the attitude, especially in the 80s, towards things like anabolic steroids was very different. Did you ever dabble in anything like that? Absolutely not. It scared the shit out of me. Oh, wow. You were, right. But back yeah. then it was so easy, I'm assuming, right? It Everybody. was so easy. I mean, yeah, I was like... Yeah, no two ways about it. One of my very, very close friends was caught up in the what was it in the late eighties when the FBI just nabbed so many guys in sting operations uh, selling steroids. Man, he did time too, oh, and wow. uh, so it was accessible. I could have done it. It was something you know. I think that genetically, I didn't need to. I always had the ability to really build muscle. But I was just I was so fearful even then uh, just about, you know, there are consequences from this, man. I would see guys get bitch tits and I would see guys, you know what I mean? And I was like, man, there is no way this is this healthy, you know. And also at that time, I was probably like 19 when I had when I totally tripped out and I that changed <laughs> my attitude towards everything. I never stopped working out, but I never really was going saying, hey, I need to get bigger. I need to get bigger. And because. You know, I, I'm a surfer and a skater, and even in jujitsu, you kind of want to have you want to operate as a light and lean of a weight as you can, because when you compete in jujitsu, you got weight weight limits, and so you want to be as lean as you can. I go into jujitsu tournaments with you know, as just absolutely no fat. Oh I yeah, I mean, it's not very advantageous to be big bulky muscle guy <laughs> trying to no, roll. It. No, no, uh-uh. I don't want to be that guy, man. I mean, and, and we know from a from a from a health standpoint how bad that is for you, how bad it is for your blood pressure. And now, thank God, I'm so stoked that I never did any steroids or anything like that because now we know that later in life, you know, I know a lot of people do TRT, and I guess if they have, I don't really judge anything like that. But I haven't had to do it, and I don't really want to do it. Well, it's amazing to me that people uh, don't consider that hormones are some of the strongest signals in the body that tell the body to do multiple functions and many functions are connected that in, in ways we don't understand and how one hormone will affect other hormones and other you know things in the body and just recently uh, I'm seeing people post this all over social media that birth control uh, is strongly connected to depression in women and people are shocked I know you know they're, know. they're blown away and it's like well no shit man you're taking a hormone of course it's going to affect other things besides your intended you know what you're intending to to do which is not get pregnant so of course taking you know uh, you know super levels of testosterone or hormones it's going to have other effects besides the ones you're looking for which is to build muscle yeah and they also have shown that excess testosterone in the brain short circuits the brain's ability to feel empathy oh and well so, that makes sense know, roid rage is a very very real thing man no, I mean, it makes sense because the male brain in general uh, is it, when tested, and this is in general, of course, individuals vary dramatically, but we'll find that we have, we uh, our empathetic abilities are a little bit less um, than women's. And there's this test that they do where uh, they'll show pictures of eyes. All you see is a person's eyes and you have to guess what uh, emotion they're feeling. Like, are they happy? Are they smiling? Are they frightened? And just by looking at the eyes, women score typically much higher than men do because their ability to read and empathize is much better. And it might be linked to obviously our brain, but the fact that we have such high levels of androgens compared to them. Yeah, it's wild, huh? And I, I think that that's the whole thing with insulin, too, with telling the body to store fat. And so we got to reduce our insulin response, reduce our insulin response. It's fascinating. I don't think we're going to understand it all for at least another 10, 20 years. And I think at that point, we'll probably look back and go, man, you remember when people used to do steroids and they used to do all that crazy shit, man? Yeah. Now, now uh, I know we were talking shit about the supplement industry, but do you take any supplements? Do you take anything at all? I do. I take, you know, I make sure I like to take uh, omegas and I like to take, uh, I take reversatrol. Have you guys heard about that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And so I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Uh, resveratrol. I, resveratrol. Uh -huh. milk, milk thistle. And I try and eat a lot of turmeric. And so usually when I make soup, I'll have raw turmeric and I'll peel it and put it all in there for the week because they've shown that that's really good against it, really a lot of things, anti-aging cancer. Turmeric's a pretty interesting compound. In fact, uh, some of the active ingredients mimic uh, 
cannabinoids, uh, which may be why uh, it's got some of the health benefits. Uh, but you need to take your turmeric with some fat. Apparently, you can't absorb it very well unless you have it with some some kind of a yeah, fat. Yeah, you know, that's the great thing about the diet. Once I started learning about going into keto, man, I eat, I eat so much fat now, and uh, which is so contrary to what we grew up, you know, hearing. And uh, but I make sure like when I make eat my soup I'll, or I make my soup, I'll put so much coconut oil. I put coconut oil in everything. Oh, it's amazing. What's your workout look like? You said you go in and kind of do full body now. How often do you do that? Yeah, I, you know, I'll go in every um, I'll go in probably two, three days a week. And so sometimes I'll do full body. But if I, like on Mondays, I tend to do legs. And so I herniated uh, or I bulged a disc, herniated a disc back when I was like 19 years old snowboarding. And so ever since then, I've had to be really rigorous about keeping my core really strong. And the best thing for my lower back, and I've done it now for you know 20-something years, is those, you know, the adductor and the abductor machines. Oh, you're kidding me. If I do that every week, I have no lower back issues. If I skip a week, my lower back will start hurting. And you know and what? So, it might be coming from your SI joint, uh, right, where the spine attaches to the pelvis. That might be where a lot of your problems are coming from, and if, if, if that's what's helping you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it, man. I mean, I, so I so I'll go in and I'll work. My main thing on Mondays is my lower back, so I'll go in and I'll do legs. I'll do leg extensions. I'm not squatting, leg extensions, stiff legged deadlifts, adductor, abductors, and I'll do everything to the point that I get. Usually, I'll go to failure. I try to go to failure every uh, every set that I do, but I'm definitely instead not just looking to go to failure, but I'm looking for that pump. Mm-hmm. And so then, and sometimes when I get done with legs, I'll be like, you know what, I'm going to do chest and I'm going to do back. And so if I'm doing chest, once again, I'm just trying to get a pump and I don't really bench press anymore, um, but I'll do flies. And so I'll grab, you know, 60, 70 pounds and just do flies and get mm-hmm. as, do as many as I can. And then I'll go on to, uh, or, and then I'll, well, not only I do flies and then I'll use the same weights and I'll do, uh, I'll do presses and sometimes I'll jump on a machine and, you know, usually like that, like maybe two exercises for chest and then I'll jump on back and I'll do uh, pull downs and uh, rows. And that's that's about it. Nick, and not, so that's, not, not to switch too too much on the gears here, but I do I do want to. You mentioned something earlier, and I wanted to ask you a little more about. It. You mentioned your goals, like with riding. Like, uh, we can, can we talk a little bit about that? Like, where, where, yeah, what absolutely. are what are some big goals for you with that? Well, I'm I'm finishing a novel right now, and I hope to have that finished like in the next six weeks. And so um, that was a that was a huge benefit, man. Once I left the show, I just for some reason had this enormous burst of creativity on this novel that I was writing. Which novel, you know, something like that. T- usually, a book will take me like two years. My first book took two years, so this one I think is going to end up taking me two years. And so I want to have a novel done. Um, and it's sci-fi. It's really going to what I love. And um, I want to have that done, like I said, in like six to eight weeks. And so probably publish that next year around this time. Oh, that's like fall. Justin's passion over there. Justin's yeah, been, man. <laughs> oh, I'm totally into sci-fi. Yeah, and he's been writing. He's been, yeah, he's been working oh, on a sci-fi forever, dude. <laughs> Only for like a decade. Yeah, I'll never put <laughs> oh, it out. Rad. I'm one of those yeah, guys. Sci-fi is the yeah. best. Man. I love it. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Man. So my so my goal is I'm setting up a world with this first book and is to have a series in this book and uh, you know. And it just, you know, it, it, it. I love, I loved doing a nonfiction book, but it becomes so difficult when you're coordinating with other people, as far as the fighters and interviewing people and doing this. I was like, I'm not doing that shit anymore. And when I worked with Vice, it was all nonfiction, so um, I just was like, I'm not. It's just too much. It's too much work. It's too much coordination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fiction. You just, it's just you, man. It's your, you and your yeah. mind and your creativity, and you just go. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So Nick, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. But before we go, I want to give you. I want to let you know. I, I'd like to send you one of our programs because you're talking about your workout, uh, what you're doing for exercise, and you're very active with surfing and skating. We have a program. Uh, called uh, Mass Performance, which is kind of your functional, you know, athletic type based workout program. I'll make sure Doug sends that over to you. You've been in the you've been in the fitness industry for so long and working out for so long. We'd love to get your feedback on it, and you know, if you want to do it or not, just take a look at yeah, it. But give we'll, it a little test drive. Oh. Yeah, we'll give you some. It's it's we've had incredible uh, incredible feedback from people who. So what 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 is it? Just give me some details. Well, on. it's so it's a. Uh, well, why don't you talk about maps for a second? Well, now. so so maps are the workouts programs that that we put together, and there's some concepts. There's certain concepts that we put in these programs that we found. We've all been training now for and training. 
training clients and trainers now for uh, myself uh, over 20 years and both these guys for over 15. And uh, there's a lot of things that you start to see that are really effective and that actually work. And a lot of those things are counter to what you get in these fitness bodybuilding magazines. Uh, you know, full body workouts are far more successful uh, for most people than body part splits. Um, utilizing certain lifts and programming them in different ways, uh, phasing your workouts for different forms of adaptation. Utilizing active recovery, we have things like trigger sessions and focus sessions. And the program we're going to send you um, has what are called mobility sessions, which are designed to improve your overall movement and mobility and connectivity uh, to what you're doing. So that not only are you stronger in the gym, but then when you go surf, skate, do jujitsu, whatever, it actually translates uh, to the real world. Because a lot of times you see guys in the gym, they get real strong in the gym, they can do heavy lifts, then they go play, you know, at the park with their kids or they go play football or something with their buddies or basketball and they tear something because I know that strength is not uh, it's not put together. It doesn't translate well. It doesn't translate well. So uh, th- this program is extremely comprehensive. It's got, you know, uh, videos in there, demos. Uh, it's broken down into phases. There's four phases. Each one is between uh, three to four weeks long. So it's uh, it's pretty excellent. It'd be, it'd be awesome to get your feedback. So we'll send that to you. Oh, see I would, what you yeah, yeah, no, you, you'll, you'll love it. I mean, part of what I mean, we talked when we first got on the podcast, we talked about how we, we were really anti the fitness industry with like the supplement companies and like in a big way, like guys like us would normally make money is you get a good podcast or you or whether or you compete like I did and you make a name for yourself. And then once you have a large enough following, then you, you then you pump and you sell supplements. That's how you make millions of dollars because it's they got to renew every single month month and and there's so much hoopla around it and and then or or and or you rip out some generic program and you sell it for 9.99 for tons of people and we took a very opposite approach to that and told people that there's lots of things and we that's how we talk about intermittent fasting and we talk about the ketogenic diet and we we talk about all these health benefits that will are going to be so much more beneficial for people than taking some pill or taking some supplement or some gimmicky program and then we talked about a big problem with the industry is that a lot of these guys that are designed programs have no real either formal education or no real experience training clients like you know there's a big difference between you know a guy who gets up on stage and he looks buff and awesome and he's got a coach who tells him that and then he rips out a program that he sells for tons of money over the over the you know the course of his career versus guys like ourselves that have trained thousands and thousands of people and trainers that train train clients and all the real world problems that we've came across and like knowing that type of stuff so all maps is muscular adaptation programming system so we really have like a a programming system per person and what their adaptation is all about and what they're looking for and then we also encourage a lot of uh, flexibility within the program meaning that we don't believe in like one cookie cutter program for everybody and we kind of try and teach people how to program design themselves so it's a very unique way of of so it's not like anything else you'll ever come across like it's not just you're not going to get like a sheet of paper it's going to say go do these exercises there's detailed videos that explains each phase of the program it's a lot more educational yeah it is we try and educate oh, that's great. yeah we try and educate while we give you uh, the the workout plan and the information and then like I said we really encourage you to learn like you brought up some things limitations that you have we have a, a private forum which we most certainly will give you access to where people can get on the forum and they can ask questions and they can get directly to us or other professionals that will you know hey I've got this injury or hey you know this hurts when I do this what are some options and and we mod- and we help them modify it yeah so uh, oh, that's great yeah I'd love great. to get, love to get your feedback but we uh, we've had a good time talking to you man. Yep. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome, man. I really appreciate it. I'll have to get you guys on my podcast. I'd love to. You know, one of the things that would be really cool to, to get you guys on my podcast is to talk more about what you're saying right now is because, you know, I'm someone who's been working out a long time. I've never really trained anybody. And sometimes people will a lot of times people will come to me in the gym who are older and they've never really worked out. And I'm just like scratching my head going, I don't even know what to tell these people because, you know, I've been working out so long. I don't really think about things. How do you deal with someone who's never lifted? That's you know, a, that's who's a, 40 yeah. years old and is never lifted. I don't even know where you would start. Well, that's <laughs> a good point because throughout the years you've learned how to train yourself. Yeah. And, I know how and, to train me. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, so Nick, uh, I wanted to get some of your, because what we're going to do now is uh, we'll hang up and, but then we're going to, we're going to record the intro to this interview and introduce you to our audience and we're going to give you some plugs. So what, what would you like us to plug your, your podcast? Do you have a, do you have a, do you have a Facebook or an Instagram or Twitter or what would you Any, like us anything, to plug? Yeah. Anything and everything. Go ahead and rattle them off for us. We'll write them down and then we'll go, we'll cover them on the intro. 
Okay, so uh, Modus V is my podcast, okay. M-O-T-U-S-V, and Nick the Tooth is my Instagram, and they can get me, um, and they can uh, go ahead and get me that way. Okay, do you have a website or anything? Uh, just putting up the website this weekend. Okay, okay. perfect. So I have my own website, but don't pump the website. Okay, okay. so Nick the Tooth on Instagram and Modus V for your, your podcast. That's right. Excellent. Okay. Excellent. So- Awesome, dude. Very cool, my man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great time, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thanks, guys, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.